Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we're helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all, or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can go to mynsc.org happenings. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout the week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Okay, Galatians chapter 6. We're in a series, Foolish No More. This is the final, the, the final message in this, in this book study that we've been in. Next week is going to be a standalone message that, that, again, I don't want you to miss that. Make sure you invite somebody next week. We say it this way, one invitation can change your life, so invite somebody with you next Sunday, and it's going to be a great Sunday as well. So the Apostle Paul is finishing out his letter to the church of Galatia, really churches in Galatia, and he's going to write some some. Powerful, powerful words. And I want to say it like this, that those of you who say, Pastor Justin, I, I, you know, I want you to, to take us deep into the word of God. Like I love the deep things of God. I, I, I want to be in the deep end of the pool, you know, when it comes to the word of God. Can I tell you something? You cannot get any deeper. I'm telling you, it's impossible. You cannot get any deeper than what we're going to talk about today. Like, this is the deep end of the pool. And you're like, oh, no, great. I get to be confused. No, it's actually very simple. You know, a lot of people, I really believe that a lot of people say, I just love the deep things of God. Like, I want you to confuse me. Well, I, I don't, this is not who I am. Like, I, I think the word of God is actually pretty simple, if you want to know the truth. I, I know there's some big questions, but the word of God it's very easy to understand. So if you have a fear of understanding it, just dive into it. And I'm telling you, it, it, the Holy Spirit will, the Bible says the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. And he'll explain the word of God to you as you're reading through it. It'll just come alive to you. So don't ever think of the word of God as being confusing. Let me say it this way. You are certainly intelligent enough to learn the word of God for yourself. So do that. Make sure you study that. And uh, today we're going to look at Galatians chapter 6. We're going to go into the deep end of the pool. And it's going to start like this, Galatians 6, 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in the same way, or in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Another way we can talk about the law of Christ is the law of love. So if you, if you do a couple of things, if you rescue those who are caught in sin, and if you carry the burdens of someone else, you're actually living life the way that God wants you to live life. And I know what you're thinking, oh no, it's one of these sermons. Oh, oh no, but pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I need somebody to help carry my burden. I don't really want to talk about this today because that sounds like a lot of work. That just sounds like a lot of work. And I would rather that there would just be that magic biblical eraser and let's just remove that and let's just have everybody in the church serve me. You know, that would be great. Well, can I tell you something? That, that uh, I'm, I'm going to let you in on something so powerful that have you ever noticed that when you focus in on something in your life, it becomes magnified? Have you ever noticed that? So, so if you were angry, let's say that somebody at work have you, have you ever had this moment where somebody at work or somebody in your family said something small and snarky to you? They, they just kind of, in their own way, mouthed off to you a little bit, and it was small, and you just kind of blew it off. But when you thought about it all day, 
Like even though it was a small comment, you thought about it and then you thought about it some more and you focused on it. And by the end of the day, you are steaming mad. Why? Because that, the, the thing that you focus on becomes magnified. Have you ever noticed? Whatever you focus on becomes magnified. And if you live your life focusing on your problem, that problem will become bigger and bigger and bigger in your eyes and in your mind and your thoughts and your heart because what you focus on becomes magnified. And one of the best ways to overcome issues in your life is to get your mind off of your issue and put your mind on somebody else's issue because when you learn to serve somebody else, when you learn to help somebody else in their problem, you realize that your problem isn't so big anymore. It's just how it works, everybody. One of the greatest acts of freedom in your life when, when it comes to this issue of, of problems and, and just going through the difficulties and struggles of life, one of the greatest solutions in your life is actually to stop focusing on your problem and focus on somebody else's. And then you'll realize that your problem is not that big and you'll realize the joy of serving somebody else. You'll never know what true joy is until you learn to serve someone else. That's how we say it. Hear a new song. But pastor, that's a lot of work. You want to, if you want to go into the deep end of the pool, here we are. Here we are. Like the, one of the deepest things, one of the greatest things, one of the biggest life lessons that I could ever teach you, one of the biggest things that Jesus himself wants you to know is that when you love someone else, it's going to cost you something. But the reward, the reward is going to be out of this world. You're like, Pastor, though, I, I don't really have the time. You got to make the time. In fact, I'm going I'm to show you what true love really is because we live in a culture that talks about love all the time. And actually, in the New Testament, there are four different types of love that we see in the New Testament. And I'm going to give these to you. And, and many of you already know what they are, but many of you don't. So uh, there, there are three types of love that this culture and, and really even you, you love to operate in. But everybody struggles with the fourth. Okay, so the first one is storge. Storge is a Greek word and it, it, for love, and it means a natural affection. So it would be like a family affection, like a, a son, a daughter, just familial. You know, it's a natural, I'm just naturally in love with this, this person. Okay, so that's storge. The next one is phileo. Phileo in, in the Greek is, is the love that means a brotherly love. And that's where we get, and you've heard this before, uh, Philadelphia, it comes from the word phileo, and then Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. So it, it's, it's just a friendship type of love, a friendship type of love. There's eros. Eros is a physical attraction, a physical attraction, eros love. And we operate in storge and phileo and eros loves really very easily, very easily, we, we flow in and out of those three types of love all the time. And eros love, of course, is where we get the, the word erotic, uh, that physical attraction. And a lot of you think that eros just means, just means it, it's um, you know, an erotic love, a physical love, like it's sexual in nature. Actually, eros love is not sexual in nature necessarily. I mean, it can be. But eros means anything that fulfills the body, anything that the body would long for. So for all of you who, who say, man, I, in fact, let's just take, how many of you in this room, you really love Reese's peanut butter cups? Raise your hand. Okay, my, my wife raised both of her hands. She loves Reese's peanut butter cups. And um, I don't know if she did or not, but she should have, okay. 
Uh, that would be something that your body loves, so that would be an eros love. You have this, this physical attraction. You, you, you love Reese's peanut butter cups. Your body loves it. Your mouth loves it. It's an eros love. Everybody get that. But the fourth type of love in the Greek is the one, is the one that very few people operate in. It's easy to operate in the first three, but very few people operate in agape love. Write that down, agape love. And agape love is unconditional love. It's unconditional love. In fact, it's not going to be on the screen for you, but it is in your sermon notes because I wanted you to have it. Agape is an, is an intentional, and if I were you, I would circle that word. Agape love is intentional, unconditional expression that chooses to do something caring or helpful regardless of the cost or consequence to oneself. So agape love is an unconditional intentional love that you show someone else. And so when we read Galatians chapter six, verses one and two, then he says, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the, the spirit should restore them gently. You got to watch out for yourselves because you might be tempted in, in the middle of that. And then you need to carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ or the law of love. What he's saying is, I want you to live an agape love. I want you to live an unconditional, intentional love that, that is going to minister to someone else. In fact, let me give you examples of this. Some, some of the things that I do, I do not because I'm a pastor, but just because I'm a Christian. So there have been multiple times here in our church family that, that I know people are struggling with sin. They're making a bad decision that is not a biblical decision and I, I, I know them, and I know their heart. I know that they really want to live a God-honoring life, that they truly have given their life to Christ. They've trusted in Christ, but then they get caught up in sin. And the Bible says to go to that person and restore that person gently. So there have been many conversations that I've had with people in which I said, hey, can we meet up for coffee? Can you come in? And maybe I give them a phone call and, hey, hey, what, what, what's going on? Well, what do you mean, pastor? I think you know what I mean. You know what the Bible says about that. Why are you doing that for? And, and I want to I tell you, if you really love Jesus, and I know you want to, if you really want to live a life surrendered to Jesus, and I know that you want to, that you're going about it the wrong way, can I help you get out of what you're doing and live the life that God wants you to live? And, and you'd say, well, pastor, you would do that? The Bible says that we're all supposed to be doing that. See, I don't do that because I'm a pastor. I do that because I'm a Christian, because I love people with an agape love that's very intentional. And I'm going to love you. I've told many people, hey, if you don't do what, what the Bible tells you to do, I'm going to love you anyway. But your best life is not a life of sin. Your best life is a life of obedience. And I love you so much that I'm going to walk through this with you. You know, there have been times where Somebody who just, you know, they, they meet up with the very wrong person. They're, they're a Christ follower, but they meet up with somebody who's not, and they start dating, they start spending time together, and all of a sudden, they're living together, and the Bible says that that's sexual immorality, that you're not supposed to do that. It's cohabitation. Any, any sex outside of the marriage bed is a sin, the Bible says. And so there have been multiple times, hey, I know that you love Jesus. I know you want to serve Jesus, so why are you doing this? Well, pastor, now it's too late. Now I gave up my apartment already. Now I don't have another. If I don't live here, I can't live. Hey, let, let, let me help you. Let, let me help you. 
Well, Pastor, I can't ask that. I'm not, I'm not, telling, I'm not saying you're asking it from me. I'm just saying, if you want out of it, I'll help you get out of it. What am I doing? I'm taking Galatians 6, chapter 1, and putting it into work. I'm applying it. And you know, any, every time, I don't remember one time that any person ever said, Pastor, how dare you talk to me like that? You know, that's never happened. In fact, every single time, it, it's a lot of crying and past, so sorry, and I knew I shouldn't, but it was just so tempting, and I'm so sorry, and I want to do what's right. I know you do. And that's why I'm here for you. That, that actually, it creates, you think it's going to push that person away, and actually it creates a stronger bond when you live a life of love. It doesn't mean that everybody does what they should do. There's been a lot of times that say, Pastor, I, it's just too late. I just can't. You know, it's just too late. I'm too far into this. I'm, you know, I, I just can't, whatever it is, whatever it is. Okay, well, that's your choice. And I'm not going to manipulate, manipulate you. I'm not going to guilt you. I'm just saying as your friend, as your pastor, as a fellow Christian, I'm here for you. And I'm ready. When you're, when you're ready to make things right with God, I'm ready to help you. Can I tell you that's agape love? That's agape love? And then to carry one another's burdens when you see somebody else going through a tough time, a difficult situation, carrying each other's burdens, saying, hey, let me help you out with that. Well, pastor, that takes a lot of work. Yeah, exactly right. How many knew it took Jesus a lot of work when he bore, his, bore the cross and he carried it all the way to Calvary to die for our sins? That took a lot of effort, didn't it? And isn't that what true love is? Come on, somebody, help me preach. Isn't that what true love is? That every, every now and then you got, there's going to be moments in your Christian life that you just got to take up a cross, and say, hey, I know it's a lot of work. I know this is, this is going to cost me something, but I'm just going to do it anyway because that's what agape love is all about. Agape love. It's intentional and it's unconditional. So I'm going to teach you these things very, very quickly. I say these things all the time and I say them purposefully because I, I think repetition is a great way to teach. And, and um, I probably don't say these things often enough, but write this down, number one, that love is not an emotion. It's a choice. Agape love is intentional, and it's unconditional. It's not based upon emotion. It's based upon a choice that you make to love and serve and care for someone else. It is not an emotion. It is a choice. Number two, love is humble and always lives for the benefit of someone else. Always. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not self-centered. Love is not self-serving. Love always lives for the benefit of someone else. And because it lives for the benefit of someone else, love is always humble. It's humble because you're not at the center of it. The other person is. You're putting the other person first. Love is always humble. Number three, love gives, I love this one. Love gives others what they need, not what they deserve. It gives them what they need, not what they deserve. So a lot of times you, you watch people in life and they dig, they dig themselves a pit and then they fall into it. And you're looking at that saying, well, you deserve it. You deserve that. Why am I going to help you? You dug the pit. I, don't, I shouldn't have to help you. You're the one who did it, you, you big dummy. How many remember Fred Sanford? Anybody's Fred Sanford? Sanford is, you, you big dummy, right? How many have ever had a big dummy thought? How many have ever called you? How many have ever called you a big dummy? Oh, yeah, me too. 
Because let's face it, we've all dug our own pit and fell into it. We all have. We all have. And thankfully, somebody was there to reach down and pick us up. The Bible says that when we fall into a pit, that there is someone, our Heavenly Father, who has a very strong right arm, and he bends down, and he lifts us out of the pit and sets our feet upon a rock. Can I get an amen? Okay, so if we're to be Christ followers, if we're to live godly lives, doesn't that mean we too have to reach down in the pit and help somebody up to carry their burden? But pastor, it's their fault. Well, how many things have you done that's been your fault? And somebody helped you out. So if you've been forgiven of much, you should be very forgiving. If people have been merciful to you, you should be merciful to others. And if nobody's been merciful to you, God has. And you should be merciful to others, to carry the burdens of others. So you're not giving them what they deserve because... They, they might, you know, in your mind, you, you think, well, you deserve that. No, you, you give them what they need. Well, I'm going to give you a helping hand because that's what you need. You need a helping hand. Oh, okay. Let, let, me, let, me, let me show you this. So how do we live this out? Let love, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, let love be your highest goal. Let love be your highest goal. So how do you live this out? If love is your highest goal, then you will naturally do what love tells you to do, that you'll naturally serve and care for others, that you'll naturally restore people and serve one another and encourage each other if love is your highest goal. The problem is in today's culture, even in, dare I say, today's church, that love is not the highest goal. That the highest goal oftentimes is, well, I, 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 want, I want mine. It, you know, me first. I'm looking out for number one. My highest goal is me. So I want what I want when I want it. And if I can't afford it right now, I'll go into debt to get it. Because what I want is most important to me. Well, that's the wrong way to live life. It's just the absolute wrong. In fact, if you live your life with you at the center of it, you're going to actually live a miserable life as you're trying to make yourself happy. But when you live your life serving someone else, we say it this way, you'll never know what true joy is until you learn to serve someone else. You'll never know what true joy is until you live for the benefit of someone else. And the Bible says, let love be your highest goal. Can I tell you something about that verse? that that's the deep end of the pool. You cannot get any deeper in the word of God outside of that verse or verses like it. In fact, Jesus, what, Jesus, what's the most important thing that you could tell us? I want you to tell us the, I want the, the deep things of God. Tell me the deep things of God, the most important thing. And Jesus says, oh, oh, this is so deep. Love God with all of your heart. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. R really? Yeah. And if you do that, you'll live your best life. We're talking the deep end of the pool today, everybody. Let love be your highest goal. Okay, so we need to know then, well, what is love? If love is my highest goal, then what is it? Well, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, and all of you know it's there. If you went to Sunday school, you know 1 Corinthians 13, 4. In fact, we're going to read 13, 4 through uh, verse 8, the beginning of verse 8. We're going to all read that together, okay? 
Are you ready? Are you ready? Now, this is everybody, mass participation here. We're going to read these verses together. This is a definition of love. Ready? Read. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Okay, so what I've done is I've done something now that I've never done before, and I did it for this, this service right here. I've never taught it to you this way before. But if love is our highest goal, and that's what the Bible says, let love be your highest goal, your highest aim, and we now know the definition of love, then let me read that again. So now let's go back to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. In fact, let's put 1 Corinthians 13, 4 back on the screen again. Can we do that? Okay, so patience now is my highest goal. Kindness is my highest goal. Contentment, not envy, but contentment now is my highest goal. If, if love does not boast, love does not talk about me, then compliments need to be my highest goal. What about it is not proud? Humility needs to be my highest goal. Let's keep going. It does not dishonor others. So honor needs to be my highest goal. It is not self-seeking, meaning it's not self-serving. It's very generous. So generosity needs to be my highest goal. Peace needs to be my highest goal because it's not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. So forgiveness needs to be my highest goal. Are you getting this, everybody? Love does not delight in evil but it rejoices with the truth. So now transparency needs to be my highest goal. Truth, the love of truth needs to be my highest goal. Protection needs to be my highest goal. Trusting others, always hoping, perseverance needs to be my highest goal. And my highest goal is that, it, is that I don't fail in doing those things. And you say, well, well, pastor, which one of those is most important? All of them. And let me say it this way, that whatever, your mo whatever moment you're in dictates what your highest goal is in that moment. Whatever moment you're in dictates how you're going to respond in love. Okay, so you have a coworker who just became snarky and mouthed off to you, but the Bible says that you keep no record of wrongs. And the Bible, the, the Bible says that that you, you need to be patient and you need to be kind. So in that moment when a coworker is snarky and mouths off or tattletales on you or whatever, then your highest goal at that moment is patience and kindness and forgiveness. Like in, in that moment, that's what your highest goal becomes. Everybody with me so far? But now if somebody comes into your home, they, 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 uh, let's say they bust down the front door and you got your little ones around you, guess what is the most important in that moment? Protection, right? In that moment, patience isn't, isn't the highest goal. 
Protection is the highest goal. How many get what I'm saying right now? Like the, the, the moment dictates your response in love. The moment dictates it. So your highest goal is always to respond in love. Always. Always. Okay, okay. so I, I put a little note in your, in your sermon notes. But pastor, what about them? Like, oh, okay, okay, I get you, pastor. I can do that for everybody in this room. But I can't do that with them. I can't do that with them. That's just a losing battle. I've tried. Pastor, the Lord knows I've tried. But let's go even deeper. I can't do it with them. I, I, I can't love them because of what they did to me. And some of you are thinking thoughts of, yeah, well, they, they spoke bad about me. But some of you are thinking thoughts that are far deeper, that you've been wounded far more than that. But what about them? You know, I, I uh, heard a pastor talking uh, a year or two ago, and he came up with these, that the, this group of professionals asked these children what love really is. Like in, in the mouths of babes, you've heard that term, right? In the mouths of babes. Like we, we just want children to tell us what love really is, and they recorded it. And I, I went up and I looked that up to see if I could find it. It's from 2010. He was quoting something from 2010, and I pulled that up for you. To, I want you to listen to this, everybody. That This is uh, Rebecca. She's, she's eight years old. She says, this is what love is. Like, what does love mean? It, she says, when my grandmother got, ar got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my gran grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands have arthritis too. That's love. I thought, yeah, that is love. Terry, age four. Love is what makes you smile even when you're tired. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Emily, age eight. Love is when you kiss all the time. Then when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together and you talk more. My mommy and daddy are like that. They look gross when they kiss. <laughs> Come on, that's so good right there. Bobby, age seven. Some of you are going to remember this in a few months. Bobby, age seven. Love is what's in the room with you at Christmas when you stop opening presents and just listen. Isn't that beautiful? And isn't that true? Tommy, age six, love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other so very well. <laughs> All you married people say amen to that, right? Chris, age seven, uh, love is when mommy sees daddy smelly and sweaty and still says he's handsomer than Robert Redford. <laughs> Some of you 20-somethings are like, I don't know who Robert Redford is. I have no idea. Marianne, age four, love is when your puppy licks your face even after you left him alone all day. You know, I heard the same preacher actually say, he said, you know, to, to, to determine who loves you most, your spouse or your dog, lock both of them in the trunk and then an hour later, see which one is happy to see you when you unlock the trunk. <laughs> then you'll know who loves you more. Isn't that great? Don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. That's funny right there. Uh, Mark, age six, love, I love this one, love is when mommy sees daddy on the toilet and she doesn't think it's gross. <laughs> uh, Jessica, age eight, she says, you really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it, but if you mean it, you should say it a lot 
Because people forget. True. And this is the big one. Nika, age six. If, if only the world would have the wisdom of Nika. Listen to this. If you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend who you hate. But out of the mouths of babes. That if you really want to love, if you really want to live a life of love, where do you start? With the ones you have struggled loving. You're like, but pastor, that's the point. It's hard to love them. New singer, that's the point. That it's hard to love them. But you haven't been called just to a storge love or phileo love. You haven't been just called to an eros love. You've been called to an agape love. An unconditional, intentional love. Even for the one who hurt you. And if you need help with that, if that wound is so deep, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, if that wound is so deep, and you say, Pastor, I can't. First of all, let me tell you this, with God, all things are possible. Don't say you can't. Say, I will, by the grace and the help of God. And then call us, ask us to help you. And we will, because that's what church families, we're here for one another. Can I get an amen to that? So you just need to ask for help. Just need to ask for help. But what about them? But what about them? Number four, I want you to write this down. If I'm having trouble with people, it might not be a people issue. It might be a God issue. So if you're at this point, you're like, I just, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to love them. I'm just not going to serve them. I'm, I'm just done with it all. They have worn me out. I'm just done. Can I tell you, at that moment, you don't have a people issue. You have a God issue. Because God wants you to live a life of love. It's this highest, greatest, most significant command. Watch what 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Can I say something right here? that you're right, you don't have enough power on your own to love somebody the way that God wants you to love them, especially the one who's hurt you. You don't have enough power on your own. And you need God's power. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, and whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Meaning, if you need more love in your life, you have to run to the source of love. You have to run to the source of love and able to love others. I've told you this story before, and I'll just say it in very short form, that after years of ministry, and this is years ago, but after years of, of ministry, I, I was so exhausted from people lying to me all the time. They, they were just, I, I mean, the benevolence requests that we get here at New Song, they are many, and and. For a long time, it was, I need help, and I need help, and I need help. And, and as you're sitting there talking to people, they would just flat out lie to you. I would just flat out lie. I, I had people sitting in my office say, well, Pastor Justin, I have stage four cancer. The least you can do is give me a couple hundred dollars for rent. 
And then a few years later, I see that person walking along the street who didn't have insurance and didn't, wasn't going to the doctor, and, and they, they got you know, Mountain Dew in one hand and a Snickers in the other, and I'm like, well, what happened to stage four? You know, what, what, what happened? Meaning this, they didn't have stage four. They're just lying. They're, they're just lying to get what they want. And, and, and I lost compassion. I lost love for people. And, I, and it hit me one day. Oh, I'm a pastor with no compassion. How many know that's dangerous? That's dangerous. And I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, you've got to give me compassion. I've got to love people again because they're driving me nuts right now. Come on, have you ever been there before? I'm just being too, am I too transparent. I don't know. It is, I'm telling you, I was, just, I was just tired of being lied to, tired of being taken advantage of, and I'm hearing sob stories all the time, and all of a sudden I'm picking up the phone. Oh, that's your story. Yeah, I've heard that one before, you know? But then I went to the Lord. I re, the Holy Spirit revealed it to me, and I went to the Lord. Lord, you've got to give me love for people. You've got to give me compassion. And he, he poured it into my life to the point where it was overflowing. I was crying all the time. I would see people walking down the street, oh, I just love you, I just love you. You took advantage of me, but I still love you. You know, like, I, I mean, it, all of a sudden, I was just like, you know, giving people money here and there and paying for meals and praying for people. And Jennifer's like, what are you doing? I said, I prayed for compassion. I prayed for compassion and God just gave it to me. You know, like, well, stop praying, all right? You got enough. <laughs> And I'm saying, if you don't have love in your life, you gotta go to the source of love. You gotta go to the source of love. You have to, you have to, you have to. Galatians 6, and I love how Apostle, the Apostle Paul ends this. He ends this letter to the churches in Galatia by saying, don't be deceived. New song, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. What's this new song? Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Let me paraphrase that. Justin's paraphrase is this. It's gonna be worth it. If you live a life of love, it's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be inconvenient. It's going to cost you something, but oh, it's worth it. You will reap a harvest. You'll reap a a reward. And who can bless you better than your heavenly father who owns everything? It all belongs to him. Amazing. Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Let's just be good to everybody, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. The Bible says it this way. You know who you need to be most concerned about? The people sitting next to you. The people right here in this room. Other believers right here in this town. That we are to love and care for one another and serve one another. The Bible says that's how we are to live life, to encourage each other and build each other up in the faith. By the way, everybody, that's why we do small groups here at New Song to give you a chance to be ministered to and to minister. And I know small groups are are picking up every single person in this room needs to be in a small group. You need to. You need to. Why? Because the Bible calls us to it. Well, pastor, I'm actually really doing good. I I don't really need anything right now. That's so self-centered. 
Well, pastor, if I needed it, I would get plugged in, but I don't really need it. I'm doing good. That's self-centered. Why? Because maybe you're the one that's supposed to go in and be the minister. Maybe you're the one supposed, if things are so good, let me tell you something. Things aren't so good for the person sitting in the same row as you. So take advantage of the opportunity so that you can make a difference in the life of someone else. Make a difference. So even like, like, for instance, if you say, well, listen, I don't need Financial Peace University. I'm debt free. Well, you need to go to Financial Peace University and help the teacher teach others to encourage others, strengthen others, help carry the burden of that. How many get what I'm saying, everybody? That there are times that you need to be ministered to, but there are other times that you need to do the ministering. And we're all called to be ministers of God's grace. That's what the Bible says in its various forms. So you need to be a part of something. You need to be a part of something, either to be ministered to or to do the ministering. And watch what, watch what the Apostle Paul says at the very end, Galatians 6. If of, of all the ways that he could end it, this is how he ends it. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What he's saying is I have been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. The life I live I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. He gave himself for me. So the things of this world are dead to me now because now I live for Christ. What what he's saying is this. I don't live. I don't live like everyone else now. I don't live like the world lives. I live like Christ. I live like Christ. I live my life with an agape love unconditional, intentional, servant-hearted love. Even for the unlovely. That's how I live my life. Let's all live our lives like that. New song, that's the deep end of the pool. It doesn't get any deeper than that. Well, that's so simple. Yeah, it is. And yet we struggle with it so much, don't we? Because we have this battle inside of us. Well, what about me? Well, I would ask you, well, what about them? What about him? What about her? What about others? Everybody, your problem will seem so much bigger if that's the thing that you focus on. But when you focus on the issues that other people are going through, you'll realize that the blessings of God, the mercies of God, the goodness of God has followed you all of the days of your lives. And he won't stop now. Let me say it this way, that as I live my life helping others, God lives his life helping me. And it's the truth. You can ask my wife, as we have lived our lives to be a blessing to others, God has poured his blessings upon us. And it doesn't mean that there haven't been storms. It doesn't mean that we don't go through. In fact, the last, I could tell you what the last couple of months have held 
for the Chambers family, we've been through some battles. We're in, we're in some battles right now. But I don't worry about them. And I'm being serious with you. I, I'm not sitting at home worrying about them. God's got it. He always has. He always will. When I live my life to help others, God lives to help me. And he's so good at it. Let's stand up together. Agape love, unconditional, intentional, sacrificial love. It is not self-centered. It's not self-seeking. It's not self-serving. It's sacrificial. And that's the life that we've been called to live in Christ Jesus. Could we open up our hands toward heaven? Heavenly Father, by your grace and in your mercy, and by your precious Holy Spirit, we ask, help us, empower us, strengthen us to live agape love in our lives. Intentional, unconditional, sacrificial love as we live for the glory of your name. Father, we all come to this moment and just want to say to you that we have failed. We acknowledge that. We have, we have focused our lives far too much on us. We've been self-centered. We've been self-serving and self-seeking. And in this moment, Father, we repent of that. We ask for forgiveness of that. And that you call us to live the life that, that you want us to live a life that glorifies your name and lives for the benefit of someone else. God, we want to get this right. Of all the things that we, that what we can get wrong in our lives, we don't want to get this wrong. We want to love you first and most with all of our heart. And we want to love our neighbors as ourselves. Out of all the things that we could get wrong in this life, Lord, we don't want to get that wrong. We want to live lives of love because you've called us to it. So empower us to do it, I pray in Jesus' name. Now, Heavenly Father, I speak a blessing over New Song Church. Oh, that you would bless us indeed, that you would enlarge our territory. Let your hand be with us and keep us from all harm. Lord, I pray for our inheritance, give us the lost. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org contact. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones who God is using to make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for watching, and we hope you tune in next week.